Well, good morning, VFC. How y'all doing today? Happy Sunday. And once again, I want to say welcome to church. Anybody enjoying church so far? That's been awesome. I want to welcome those again that are watching online as well. I know we're streaming on YouTube. We've transitioned over there, and I know there's lots that are watching this morning. So welcome. I am excited because we are in week four, our final week of a series we've been in this month of August called Power to the People. And I hope that you've enjoyed this series as much as I have, being encouraged about how God's power can be worked out in our everyday lives. And as we wrap up the series this morning, I truly believe God's put a word on my heart for all of us. And we're going to be talking about the power of prayer, the power of prayer. And as we begin, I'd like to read two scriptures, kind of two passages of scripture that will be a bit of a theme for us uh, for the message this morning. One's in the New Testament and one is in the Old Testament. One's kind of short and one's a bit longer. But if you have your Bibles, would you open up with me to James chapter 5? We're going to start here in James and then you can uh, put your finger over near 1 Kings. That's where we're going to land In James chapter 5, we see a great passage of scripture, one you'll be familiar with on prayer. It says this, starting in verse 16. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Goes on to say, Elijah was a man. With a nature just like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. I love this passage in James. And if you've taught on, been taught on prayer before, you know this passage. James, he's the author of the book of James, and he's writing to the church, uh, the New Testament, in Jerusalem. These are Jews that have converted from Judaism to Christianity, and James, he is their leader. He's their pastor, and he's writing them a letter, and near the end of this letter, he reminds them. He encourages them, and he exhorts them on the power that's in prayer. He says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. I I love how the Amplified says it. It says this, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man or woman makes tremendous power. Can somebody say tremendous power? Makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. What a great passage of scripture to open your mind about the power of prayer. But James, he doesn't stop there. He immediately calls the attention of the reader to a story that its original audience would have been very familiar with. He talks about a guy named Elijah. And he talks about this story when Israel faced a three and a half year drought. But a guy named Elijah, a prophet found in 1 Kings 17 and 18, he chose to pray. So why don't we flip our Bibles over to the Old Testament and take a look at this story that James is trying to reference to teach us a little bit on prayer. I'm going to read 1 Kings 18. We'll start here in verse 41. It says this, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. Now remember, this is in the middle of a three and a half year drought, but Elijah hears rain. So verse 42, so Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, that's a mountain, 
Then he bowed down on the ground and he put his face between his knees to pray. And then he said to his servant, Go up now and look towards the sea. So he went up and looked, and he said, There's nothing. Elijah prayed for rain, and he sent his servant to go look for it. They hadn't seen a cloud for three and a half years. They hadn't had a drop of rain for three and a half years. The servant went to look, and he didn't see anything. And then it says seven times. Everyone say seven times. He said, Go again. We're going to come back to that. Somebody say, Go again. Then verse 44, then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud, as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said to his servant, Go up and say to Ahab the king, Prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins, as we all do every day. Um, Just love girding up our loins. And he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. This morning, I believe that God has put a message and a word in my heart for you to remind you of the power of prayer. To remind you that you and I can actually see God's tremendous dynamic, effective power at work in our everyday lives as we pray. And I feel in my heart this morning, there's some people that God wants to speak to that you've been facing a season that feels a lot like a drought, that you find yourself in shoes like Elijah where you could use some rain. You've been frustrated, discouraged, disappointed, questioning where God is at and all the things that you are facing. You've been in need of God's power, and I believe God has asked me this morning to bring his word to you to let you know you should not give up, you should not quit, because there is power when we pray, and he is in heaven. He wants to empower you today. This morning, the title of this message is There is Power in Prayer. Would you help me preach it? Would you look to your neighbor and say, There is Power in Prayer. Let me pray for us and believe God's going to speak to us by the time we're done today. Father, we love you. And Lord, what a privilege it is, again, to gather around your word. Your word has the power. And I pray, Lord, as we look into it, as we learn, as we listen in, that you would speak to us. That you would cause us to walk, talk, live, and look a whole lot more like Jesus. And that, God, when we leave today, that, God, we will leave with some things we didn't have when we came in. We thank you for it. Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said, amen. Amen. Recently, um, my wife, along with my mom and and sisters, went away on a girl's weekend. Went away on a little girl's weekend. And this left me, dad, at home with our baby girl, Olive, who is a year and a half old, our, our only daughter, and, uh, and to be honest with you, I was a little nervous for this trip because I'd done a couple days with Olive alone, you know, one or two here and there, but I'd never done four days alone with Olive. <laughs> and Alexa's a great mom. She, she makes life easy. She's an amazing mom, loves Olive, and uh, when Alexa's around, I got a lot of peace, y'all. <laughs> it's all good. Like, mom is here. We're going to be set. So... When I found out about this special girls trip, and I guess there's another one being planned or something, so no comment there, but <laughs> I was nervous. And 
I was excited. I was excited for some bonding time, but rightfully so. Kind of the first four-day stint with me and Olive, I, I was like, oh, Lord, you better help me. And uh, the thing I know about Olive is uh, she likes to stay busy. So if we can have stuff to do, right, it helps. So we planned these four days packed full of all sorts of things. And then the other thing I knew is Olive recently has made a new friend. And it's really sweet to watch them play together. Um, his name's actually Teddy. And it's Olive's stuffed animal, who's a teddy bear that we call Teddy. And he literally, in my notes, I capitalized his name Teddy because he is that important to our family. <laughs> he is as real as another person. And so between Teddy, Daddy, and Ollie, we uh, set on a little adventure. And, and truly, we had a great time. Um, I've talked with some friends, but it seriously was awesome. We had a great time bonding. And, and as a dad, it really touched my heart just to have time with her like that, like special time that I know, you know, you don't get these years back. And as we were kind of going through our four days together, about halfway through, things were going well. We hadn't had too many meltdowns. Uh, Teddy was alive. Olive was alive. And I was half alive. So we were good. Life was great. I was in the kitchen and I was making lunch, having a little break. I had Elmo on in the living room and Olive had Teddy and they were doing their thing. They were good. And I'd check on her every once in a while. Don't worry. But I knew she was okay. I was taking a moment to make some lunch till All of a sudden, this peaceful moment came to a screeching halt when all of a sudden, Olive starts screaming. Screaming like she just cut her hand off. Screaming like all of the world is going, uh, you know, crazy all around her. And so as any dad would, I threw down my food and I quickly ran to the living room to figure out what was going on. And Olive's on the floor, laying by our couch, screaming. And she's saying, Dada, help me. Help me, Dada. Help me, Dada. And so I get down on the floor, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on and trying to hold her, and she's crying and saying, Dada, help me, Dada, help me. And she's pointing. And I realize, where's Teddy? Teddy's not here. All right. We can do this. So I see where she's pointing. I look down underneath our couch to find Teddy had somehow managed to grow legs and sneak under the couch just out of reach of Olive. And so I did what all great superhero dads do. I said, baby girl, step aside. <laughs> Lifted the couch. Uh, we got Teddy back out, gave her back, gave him, her, I don't know, back to Olive. And uh, she was happy. She was content. And you can hold your applause because, you know, <laughs> what can I say? Uh, now, thank you over there. Yep. Bless you. God, the Lord loves you, sir. Um, But I don't know if you've ever had a moment with your kids where the Lord kind of all of a sudden out of nowhere just speaks to you. And it's kind of this moment you're not ready for it. You're not in deep prayer. But just on the inside, the Lord kind of gives you a little life lesson. I remember seeing this whole situation play out and just felt on the inside. The Lord whispered in my heart, isn't that a great image of prayer? Sometimes we can overcomplicate prayer. 42 rules and 38 body positions and these and thous and a whole lot to do to pray. But really, prayer is not a whole lot more complicated than you and I facing a moment when Teddy is just a little bit stuck under the couch and we don't have the power to reach Teddy on our own. So we cry out, help me, Dada, help me, Dada. I cannot do this on my own. I need your power to come and work in my life. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous person makes tremendous power available. 
Do you know that God and the issues and things you're walking through in life, he is in heaven and he is just waiting for you to cry out, help me, dada. And he's gonna come with all the power he has to lift whatever couch needs to be moved to work on your behalf. There's power in prayer. This brings us back to our story with Elijah and, and, and James in the New Testament. Elijah in the Old and James, he's teaching us on the power of prayer and he calls our attention to first kings he wants us to learn something how does this prayer thing work he says hey maybe a good example is to look at the story of elijah a little context might be helpful elijah he was a prophet for israel uh, god's chosen people in the old testament and in first kings 17 and 18 a little bit beyond we see the story of elijah and at the time in israel there was a king named ahab we heard of Ahab a little bit earlier. Ahab was married to a gal named Jezebel. Uh, great names for parents who are having kids soon, Ahab and Jezebel. Um, he was married to Jezebel, and, and, and these two people, the king and his wife, they, uh, they, they were not good people. The Bible actually describes that Ahab, he was evil. Not only did he turn the nation away from God, he actually promoted and forced on Israelites the worship of idols, and in particular, an idol called Baal. Little G, God, with many other little gods underneath, and under the leadership of Ahab, Israel went to a very, very dark place. And James, he talked about it, right? That Elijah, the prophet, he prayed that there would be no rain. And we see this story play out that Ahab, as a prophet of God, prayed for no rain to bring a drought so God could deal with, this is Old Testament now, God could deal with the idol situation that was taking place. And Elijah, a man with a nature just like us, prayed and the rain ceased, stopped. And for three and a half years, they didn't see water and all the things that happened in droughts took place in their land. And they tried to lean on the gods of Baal and the prophets of Baal rose up and tried to take care of things, but they didn't have the power to do so because they were little G gods, not our God. And all of this climactic scene finishes in 1 Kings 18 when these gods of Baal have kind of a showdown on Mount Carmel with Elijah, the sole prophet of God in Israel. And they have a little battle of whose God is strongest. It's an awesome story. You should check it out this week. But it's give it the, kind of the end before the beginning. God kicks butt. He makes all these little G gods look ridiculous and he gets the glory and honor he deserves. And right after this is the part we read where Elijah says, I'm going to now pray for rain. Idols having been dealt with, it's time to pray for rain. And he prays and what happens? Rain comes. Now, you're probably thinking what I, I was thinking when I'm studying this. I, I, Lord, I get the idol thing, and we're trying to deal with the stuff, and we got the rain, and we don't have rain. What, what, how, what does this have to do with prayer? How has this helped me to know about prayer? Well, I think there's a key in this passage in James. I don't know if you caught it, but James said this, that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. What's he saying? What's James trying to communicate? He's trying to say this, Elijah was not special. He wasn't more holy than all of us, and that's why he could pray and, like, things actually happened. It wasn't because he was, like, super spiritual, some elite guy. No, no, no. Elijah had all the same doubts and fears and insecurities and questions and wonderings that you and I have. He was a, he was a normal guy like you and I, and so often we disqualify ourselves from praying like that person prays because I know myself. 
And God knows me in private, and he knows the doubts that I've had before, and he's not going to answer my prayers, and I can't pray with boldness because I get why it worked for Elijah, but it isn't going to work for me. But James is halting that, saying we cannot think like that because Elijah was a man just like you and I. But he prayed. Elijah prayed. You see, there was rain, and then there was no rain. There was no rain, and there is now rain. What's the difference? Was it that God dealt with the idol worship? No. There would have been rain right after God beat the gods of Baal. Rain just would have came. That, that wasn't the case. Was it Elijah's holiness? Well, we know that's not the case because he was a man just like me and you, and we're only holy because of what Christ has done for us, but in and of our own strength, we're not. Was it the prediction of the farmer's almanac? Chucky was reading it for us, giving us all the heads up on the prediction of a three and a half year drought and it's going to break. No, no, that, that wasn't the case. Now, this may be a simple thought this morning for a lot of spiritual people in the room, but the difference between no rain and now rain was a little thing called prayer. That's it. The message ain't a whole lot more complicated this morning. The difference between no rain, a drought going on, and rain coming is prayer. Now, here's the deal. All of us, from the back row to the front row, those watching online on YouTube today, wherever you're watching from, all of us will find ourselves in positions like Elijah where we're dealing with the drought. All of us will find ourselves in positions like Olive where Teddy's stuck. So what's the difference going to be? Is it going to be our effort, our work, our strategy, our ability, our wisdom, our power? Or is it going to be prayer? I feel like today, I mentioned earlier, there's some people who've walked in the room and you've been dealing with things for quite some time and you've given all the human effort you know to give. But I think God has brought us here, all of us together in this moment to remind you that the difference, the power, it is actually in prayer. It's time to stop doing it on your own and invite God in to help you to lift the couch and to move it over to the side. So our question this morning, when you experience a drought, however you want to define that in your personal life, will you pray or not? And that's what I want us to study. That's what I want us to look at. For the remainder of our time, I want us to figure out what was James wanting us to see in the story of Elijah and the drought? What can we learn about the power of prayer that we can apply to our lives this week to see God's almighty, dunamis, dynamite-like power actually at work in our lives? personal lives. I want to look at three things, three simple things we can learn from this story with Elijah. And by the time we're done today, I pray you're blessed and that God speaks to you through it. Y'all ready for it? All right, number one, if you're taking notes, first point, first takeaway is this, climb the mountain. Climb the mountain. Can y'all say climb the mountain? If you're watching online, type it in the chat. Climb the mountain. 1 Kings 18, 41 to 42. Let's read it one more time. It says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went to the top of Carmel. There he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees to pray. The first thing I think we can learn from Elijah about prayer is that we must choose to climb the mountain to pray. We must make a decision to be pray 
Ur's. Notice this, Ahab, the king, the people, the, the, the leader of the people. If anybody should have been praying for rain, come on, y'all. Why wasn't Ahab doing it? Well, he didn't. He went up to eat and drink, hoping and wishing, and when, what happens is what happens. Whatever happens is what is going to be happens. Mindset. But Elijah knew, no, no, no. There's power in prayer. I prayed once, it stopped. I'm going to pray again, it's going to come. Did you know that God is looking for those who are willing to pray? He's not looking for the best looking. He's not looking for the coolest, the strongest, those who hit the gym at 5 a.m. every day. He's not looking for the ones that are the most popular, the ones who are the most like. God is on a hunt on earth to get his will in heaven done here through prayers. And he's looking for those who are willing to pray. Who even when everyone else is going to eat and to drink, they will get on their knees and pray. Those who will stand in the gap. It's a simple thought. If we're to experience God's power in prayer, then we must be willing to pray. To open our hearts in our mouths and say, help me, dad, dad. Help me. So often I think we find ourselves in need We find ourselves frustrated, facing a challenge, a drought, a giant, a storm, dealing with something in life, and we do everything in our power to fix it. We call all the people we know to call. We make pros and cons lists. We see every doctor and every specialist. We research solutions. And then after all of those things haven't worked, then we pray. We're dealing with a challenge, but we fail to pray. But how many of you know that prayer is not meant to be our last resort. It's actually meant to be our first response. That when we face a challenge, a drought, a teddy that's stuck under a couch, come on, church, will we be people that immediately turn to our Father and say, Lord, I know I could try in my own strength, but what's the point? I've done that before. I'm going to lean on you and pray for you to be at work in my life. Philippians 4, 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, everyone say everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. His ear is bent low to the voice of a prayer. In everything, let our requests be made known. James chapter 4, just one chapter before our main passage, he says this, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and you do not have, you murder and covet, but you cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet listen to this, you do not have because you do not ask. Years ago, my mom preached a message, brilliant, entitled, Get Your Ask in Gear. I love it. Can I encourage you this morning? Maybe you've been navigating some things in life. Get your asking gear. Start asking. Start praying. Let's be a church. Let's be people who pray. Nothing too small. Nothing too big. He cares about the teddy under the couch, and he cares about the drought going on in some nation. He just wants us to pray, to talk with him, to work with him. But I think it's important at this point to to highlight something because as we read in this passage, I don't know if you caught it, but before Elijah prayed, he did something. In fact, he heard something. Did you guys catch that? 
kind of a goofy verse 41. Elijah says to Ahab, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And then Elijah prayed. Which leads me to ask the question, what was it that Elijah heard that caused him to pray? Again, if Elijah should have just prayed, why didn't he pray after year one? Why did he wait three and a half years to pray? Why pray today? Why pray now? And why is it that you had to mention you heard something, you didn't see it, your servant couldn't see it, Ahab didn't see it, but you heard something that led you in to actually go and pray? What happened? I think the answer is at the beginning of 1 Kings 18. Take a look at this. 1 Kings 18 verse 1. And it says this, And it came to pass after many days that the word, everyone say the word, of the Lord came to Elijah. This is before he prayed. Again, it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying this, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. How is it that Elijah could hear the sound of rain? Because he heard the word of God. He knew the power that was in a promise, a prophetic promise, a word, a rhema word from God's mouth. And when he got that word, the promise of God, he could with confidence go up on the mountain and pray that word out. Elijah was not praying his wishing, his hoping. Lord, please just give me a Lamborghini, please. He told me to start asking. I'm getting my asking gear. I need that Lamborghini. Lord, I want that man's wife. Give her to me. He wasn't praying that. That's not aligned with God's word. He got God's word and aligned his prayer with that, and the power of God was released. You guys remember 1 John 5, 14 to 15. Now, this is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to what? His will. He hears us. Now, check this out because God's a good father. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we asked of him. Here's a key. There is power when we ask, when we pray, according to God's word. I love it. Do you know you and I can have confidence when we pray? We can have confidence when we pray, when we pray according to God's word. Why? And what is it James wants us to know? How is there effective, tremendous power, all the buzzwords around prayer. Why is that? Because there's power in God's word. It is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, bone and marrow, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word is alive. It is active. And God said, that which I have promised, I will do. And so when we're facing a situation and we need God's power, we climb to the mountain, we open our word, and we start praying what he has promised us and power is released. The power's not in the praying. The power's in his word. That's a revelation for somebody in the room. You've been fighting this whole battle wrong. You didn't bring your sword. This week, let's go bring our sword and battle with his word. We got to climb the mountain. Number two, second thing I think we can learn from Elijah is this, don't stop at six. Can somebody say, don't stop at six? I find it interesting that Elijah, he was given a promise, a word from God. 
Then Elijah went up to the mountain. Ahab was eating and drinking, but Elijah went to pray. But you notice that Elijah did not see results immediately. He had God's word. Elijah prayed. Nothing happened. Remember that? Let's look at it one more time. 1 Kings 18, 43 to 44. Then Elijah said to his servant after he prayed, go up now and look toward the sea. Understanding evaporation and condensation. He figured the clouds are going to come from that direction. So the servant went up and looked and he said, there's nothing. He said, Elijah, your prayer didn't get answered. I know God promised that. I know you prayed, but it didn't happen. And then seven times, Elijah asked his servant to go again. Go look again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. Elijah knew God had given him a promise. He was going to cause it to rain. Elijah, he prayed according to that promise. And his servant went once, and he didn't see rain. He went twice. He did not see rain. He went three times. He still did not see rain. Not until seven times did he then see a cloud simply the size of a man's hand. Simply the size of a man's hand. Can you relate to this? Have you ever prayed something according to God's word, but got frustrated and discouraged because you didn't see the results? You thought God would do what he said he would do, and you prayed, and he did all the right things, and you don't know why it didn't happen according to your timetable. Well, I think this highlights an important point for us, is that we are responsible for the praying, but God is responsible for the timing. He gives his promise. He calls us to pray, but it is on his timing that that promise is fulfilled. And so often you and I, we can get a word from God, a promise from God, but if we don't see things change immediately, if we don't see instant results to prayer, we can so quickly throw away our faith. We can let go of the thing that God has spoken. We can get discouraged, frustrated. Maybe even some in the room have been angry with God because the timing didn't take place on that which was best for your schedule but we're responsible for the praying. He's responsible for the timing. Even this morning, I just feel there's some people in the room that you've been praying and believing God and you came in discouraged today, frustrated, disappointed, confused because things haven't happened on your timetable. I just feel in my heart to encourage you this morning to not get discouraged. But like Elijah, God's word for you is go again. Don't stop at six. Don't throw in the towel at six. Get to seven. Get to eight get to nine. Hebrews 6, 12 says, imitate those who through faith and, y'all out there, faith and, we don't want to say it because we don't even like that word. (laughs) Faith and and patience. But that is how you inherit the promise. It's like a good fighter who's got the one-two punch. You want to fight in your life, you need some faith, y'all. But you also got to have the the hard one of patience, of patience. Elijah exemplifies for us the importance of standing by faith on God's promises, even when we don't see the results. It's important to note this, though. What the Bible's not saying, now hear this, this is really important. The Bible did not say Elijah prayed seven times. Say that again. The Bible did not say Elijah prayed seven times. 
It said he sent his servant to go look seven times, expecting God to do what Elijah prayed. Elijah prayed once. And then he stood like a rock on that faith, not getting discouraged at the fact that there was not a cloud yet. But he said, no, that which God has promised me, he will do. So servant, get your butt back up and go look because it's just a matter of time. Why is this important? Because how often do you and I meet Christians who think we have to beg God as if he's hard of hearing? Oh, if you just beg him hard enough for long enough, eventually he might do something good for you. No, 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 that's not New Testament God. He's a good father who hears us when we ask according to his will. Do y'all know he heard you when he prayed? And he might be in a season of patience. Well, be patient. Wait. But don't lose your faith. Don't let go of that word. I feel this morning there's some, that's a word for you. You got to put that in your pocket and revisit it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week, week after that. But if God said it, he will do it. There's an old phrase in the Word of Faith camp. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. No room for questions. It takes a little grit, like the lions this year, y'all. A little bit of grit. Can I give you a quick example? And then we're going to hit point three fast. Okay, y'all got to listen fast for me, and then we're going to pray. We're going to deal with some things going on. Does that sound good? Let me give you one example, because I think this is important. You say, yeah, Eric, I hear that, but I, how, does that, how does that work? There's an example of this whole idea in the New Testament with Jesus and a fig tree. In Mark, and let me get this right, chapter 11, Jesus one morning wakes up, and he's walking with his disciples, and he's hungry. And along the way, he sees a fig tree, at least a tree that looks like a fig tree. It looks like it's strong and growing. And the Bible actually says it's kind of a neat, weird, funny story. Jesus, the Son of God, (laughs) comes up to this tree. There's supposed to be figs on it because he's hungry. He looks and there's no figs. And listen to this. This is Mark 11, 12, and 14. We don't have time to really study it. But Jesus looks at this fig tree and he gets a little upset that the tree did not provide what it was created to provide. And Jesus says this, in response, he said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples, they heard it. So Jesus, in front of his disciple, he curses this fig tree and says, because you didn't feed me, you ain't going to get, you ain't feeding nobody else. You're done. You're done. That's what Jesus says to this fig tree, this poor old fig tree. It's a different message for a different day, y'all. Don't be the fig tree. Produce fruit. He is interested in fruit, not trees that look cute. There's a little rhyme for you. Different message, different day. We'll hit it one of these days. But listen to this. He does this moment. They all leave. They go do ministry. They do things. They have their whole day. They sleep, and then they wake up the next day. And a little bit later in Mark eleven twenty, they walk by the same tree, the one in the previous day Jesus cursed says this in verse 20 of Mark 11. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, come on somebody, I say to you, whoever says this mountain, be removed and thrown in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says... We'll be done. He'll have whatever he says. Therefore, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. 
So catch this. This is Jesus, the Son of God, modeling for us faith and patience. Jesus curses the fig tree. Nothing changes. If it had changed, why would Peter mention it the next day? If he saw it immediately wither away when Jesus spoke it, then there's no point to mention it the next day. Yeah, Pete, we saw that, but it didn't. They cursed it. Nothing on the outside happened. They went on their day, but the next morning they came back and the tree was cursed. But did you catch what it said in verse 20? The tree, they noticed, dried up from the roots, dried up from underground what you could not see. Can I encourage you today? There's some things you've been praying for and you have not seen them happen and change on the outside, but that does not mean God is not working in the waiting. The tree is drying up from the roots. You've been praying for something, believing God, standing on his word. God is working even if you don't see it. It's drying up from the roots. It's drying up from the roots. So don't stop at six. Don't stop at six. We're going to wrap this up. You guys doing well? That was kind of like this kind of part of the room. Y'all doing good? All right. All right. Final point. I was watching online. Same to you. Stay with us. We're going to wrap it up. Number three, prepare your chariot. Prepare your chariot. Let's recap this one more time. Elijah gets God's word. Elijah climbs the mountain to pray. Elijah stands firm and doesn't stop at six because he didn't see the results. And finally, Elijah's last decision is he got moving. First Kings 18, once, one more time, it says this, and it came to pass the seventh time that the servant said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So Elijah said to him, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. I love that. Elijah's servant goes up seven times and on the seventh, he finally sees a cloud. But I don't think the Bible makes mistakes. This wasn't an accident how they described it. A servant sees a cloud the size of a man's hand. Now, when you've been in a drought for three and a half years and you see any form of cloud, you're going to be excited. I don't know about you and I, I don't have a recollection of seeing a cloud the size of a man's hand. That's small, y'all. That's God's promise, I'm going to send rain. All right, Elijah, here's a cloud the size of a man's hand kind of missing something here. But I love what Elijah did. Elijah got confirmation of that cloud there. And he sent his servant immediately to Ahab, prepare your chariot, Ahab. You better get into cover because a storm is coming. Are y'all human like me? I would not have done that. But Elijah knew something. He knew that his faith couldn't just be internal. His faith had to produce action in his life. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of that which we do not see. Remember the Bible says, we walk by, not by. We walk by, not by. Elijah exemplifies for us, this is the final point today I wanna to encourage you with. That there's sometimes in life when we've prayed God's word, we're standing our ground, that we have got to make a physical 
declaration of what we are believing God for as if we already had it. That's faith. If we wait until every detail, every question mark, everything we need to see to take place before we make a move, I'm challenging it now, that's not quite what God is talking about when he talks about faith. Walking forward movement is done by faith. It is not done by what we see in the natural. When Alexa and I were preparing to move to Australia to go to Bible college, we had a word in our heart that we were to go, that we were to take some time to train and to invest. And it was a big move for us as a young married couple. And we had a decision to make because we had a lot of challenges with our visas and getting accepted. And it was all last minute. And we had applied for the school and we hadn't heard back yet. We had applied for visas, but the government was going through things and, um, and we didn't get our visas right away. And we got up till about two weeks before we were supposed to move and be there so we could be there on time to start school. But the plane tickets, as you can imagine, to Australia are extremely expensive and they were only going up higher and higher the closer we got to the date. This is a lot of money for us as a young married couple deciding we're gonna move our lives across the world. We gotta buy some expensive plane tickets, but we hadn't been accepted. We didn't even have a visa to be allowed in the country. But we prayed, we knew we were to do it, and so we went ahead and bought plane tickets to fly to a country they would not allow us in to go to a Bible school they had not told us we were welcome to yet. We did it by faith. Two weeks goes by, I kid you not, the day before we're scheduled to drive to Chicago and to get on an airplane to fly to Australia. We still were not approved with our visa or as students in the school. The day before, our visas got approved and we got accepted into the school. Sometimes you gotta make some outward decisions that are in alignment with what you are believing God for. I just feel, and as we close, the team, the worship team can come. As some of you have been praying and waiting for every detail to come to place before making a move, but the life of faith requires we start walking by what we believe rather than by what we see. So it's time, somebody in the room, it's time to make a move. It's time to go by the crib because the baby is coming. It's time to sign up for the run because your health is coming back. It is time to apply for the job because God's favor is all over you and he will do in you what he could not do for someone else. It's time to buy a Bible and engrave your child's name on it who is far from God because that child is coming on home. It is time to make a decision, a move that is in alignment with what we've prayed for. James 5, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. So as we close this morning, my question for you is what's going on in your life because it's time to pray. Maybe for you, it's, it's just time to run to the mountain and start praying. Maybe for you, it's time to understand God's will, God's promise to stand on it and lean into it and trust that he will fulfill the word he has given you. Maybe for you, it's a moment this morning to remind yourself to not stop at six, but to re-engage your faith like a rock on your feet to stand and say, I will not be moved by what I see, but I will believe what God has said unto me. Maybe for you this morning, it's time to make a move. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what's going on in your world. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If there's something in your life that you've been dealing with, something that's been in front of you, a giant, a wall, a storm, a teddy under the bed, and today you're ready to engage your faith. Today you're ready to see the power of God at work in our prayer. And you wanna take a hold of one of these things. Did you shoot your hand to heaven and say, yeah, that's me. I got something going on. Today I'm gonna pray. Today I wanna pray. There's hands up all over the room. Today I'm gonna pray. 
I wanna pray for you. I wanna hook my faith up with you. I wanna draw a line in the sand with you this morning. You'll experience God's power as you pray. As you pray according to his word. Let's pray right now. Father, I thank you for each person with their hand in the air. Lord, I thank you so much for what you're doing in them, what's going on in their world, the things that they're facing, the challenges they're experiencing. You know every detail. You know the storyline. You know the history. You know, Lord, every part of what they're facing. But right now, Father, I hook my faith up with theirs. And God, I release over them your power right now to be at work effectually, Lord, and completely. And every detail of what's going on, I pray for children in the room, parents with their hands up for their kids who've been dealing with things. And we thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name for life. Life, for healing, for a touch of heaven to be upon those kids, for their faith as parents to remain as a rock on your word, even in the midst of a storm. Father, I pray for those dealing with financial challenges where money's an issue. God, I thank you, Lord, for giving them divine insight and wisdom of what moves to make, what steps to take for opening the windows of heaven, God, in alignment with their generosity. I thank you in Jesus' name for the, the marriages that have been feeling with, Lord, just this challenge, even online. I just sense this for somebody online. Your marriage has been a challenge. Things are not looking good, but that right now in Jesus' name, Lord, just the healing balm of the Holy Spirit would cover the wounds that have taken place in that marriage, that humility will be your portion, that repentance and forgiveness and a coming back together in that marriage that the enemy will not have his way, but Father, you'll bring them back. I thank you in Jesus' name for the power of God released and even more so. Lord, not my prayer, but theirs. I pray as we go into this week that they would be encouraged, strengthened, and kept by your word in prayer this week and in the weeks to come to see your power at work. We thank you for it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agreed said, amen. Amen. Y'all received that this morning? Well, if it hasn't been clear, I'll leave you with one last thought. Let's just be a church that says, help me, Dada. Let's just be a church where prayer is our first response, not our last resort. One final prayer for those in the room and we're gonna get on with this beautiful Sunday God's given us. If you're here this morning, all the way around, maybe you're online, and Jesus Christ, he's not the Lord of your life. Maybe you know about him, maybe you don't. Maybe it's your first time in church, maybe it's your hundredth time in church, but if today you're listening and you don't know Jesus, you're not following him, you're not walking in his way, then as we close service this morning, I wanna invite you to pray a prayer with me that I'll lead us in. The whole church is gonna pray it together to make Jesus the Lord of your life. No better decision you can make than to make him your Lord and receive his forgiveness, his love, the hope of eternity in heaven and heaven here on earth in him. Every head bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. If that's you this morning and you said, Eric, you know what? I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, but today God's been speaking to me and today I'm gonna make a decision to do what the Bible says, to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. And I wanna pray this with you. And I just wanna invite you on the count of three just to lift your hand to heaven. If you're watching online, you can type it in the chat and say, that's me. I'm praying that prayer. Today's my day. I'm drawing a line in the sand. If that's you this morning, I already believe God's been speaking to you. One, two, three. Would you lift your hand up? Just you, me and the Lord. I see a hand going up right there in the middle, a couple other hands going up all around. Uh, God's faithful. See hands? Yep, many hands. Church family, can we pray this together? Those who raise their hand, if you raise your hand online, pray this with us. And God's gonna do what only he can do and bring the power of his forgiveness, love, and acceptance to your soul. 
Let's all say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. And right now, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is my Lord. And from this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, church. Can we put our hands together and congratulate those that prayed?